Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. State Senator Linda Holmes joins us now, Democrat from Aurora, who is behind a um, maybe not even so novel, but new piece of legislation for Illinois. Linda, welcome to WGN Radio. How are you? I am well, John. Thank you so much for having me. This concerns medical assistance in dying for people, which Illinois currently doesn't provide. Ten other states do. Uh, Washington, D.C. does as well. Just give me the umbrella speech. What are we talking about here? Very simply, it is to have the assistance of a physician for an adult, you have to be 18 or older, terminally ill with less than six months to live, and you have to be mentally capable of making an informed health care decision. Those people would have the option to self-administer a medication that would assist them in dying when they became in too much pain to want to continue. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't read, um, so I understand that you can take a shot or a, you can take it orally. A pill would come. I wonder what the passing is like. Is it difficult for the person that ends their life? Will it be, do they just go to sleep? I wonder what the experience is for those people. Do you know? It. It is an oral medication, and yes, it has a heavy amount of sedatives in it so that somebody would just go to sleep and then pass. Yeah. The doctor would not administer it. That would be in violation of their Hippocratic Oath, I guess, but it would be prescribed by a physician, and then you self-administer, correct? Yes. It says six months to live. If you're within that window, then this is applicable. That's Nobody knows how long they're going to live. Maybe you could live a year. I mean, I guess a doctor has to give the diagnosis of six months? It has to be a a doctor that gives that diagnosis, and then there has to be another doctor. So there is a second opinion on that. Yes. And yes, we all know that it's not clearly... my, My mother passed away from pancreatic cancer when she was diagnosed. They gave her approximately six months to live, and she only made it another month and a half. So no, it's always an approximate. And some people hang in for two years um, and might wish they had not. Does it matter what the prognosis is for? Does it have to be cancer? Can it be something else? Oh, no, it can be something else. It could be ALS or there's obviously a number of diseases. The only thing that you have to be left with is the fact that you are mentally capable of making that decision. So this is an issue that Steve Bertrand brought up when he was talking about it with Lisa Dent the other day. If you have dementia or Alzheimer's, you'll spend more than six months, most likely, unable to make a decision this complicated, right? Yes, and sadly, I've had this brought up by a fellow colleague who had a husband who had Alzheimer's, and, and she said it's unfortunate that, yes, he would never have been eligible to do this. Well, isn't there a workaround? Here's my idea. I'll tell you today. I'll fill out a form. How many of us have done estate plans where we say things like this? If I have dementia and if six months lapse and I am not a cognizant person, I hereby give you the right to, if you choose to, you know, maybe I'll, power of attorney, give somebody the opportunity to do this, but 
I don't want to live that way. I don't want you to live that way. And I don't want to spend down our assets that way. Can we work around this? Personally, John, I agree with you, but that is a totally different piece of legislation. This bill does not allow for that. Yeah, Uh, which doesn't mean that a bill like this couldn't allow for that. That's just a separate bill, huh? Yes. I wonder why the hesitancy. I mean, that's a very real and not uncommon thing. Uh, Maybe baby steps here, Senator? Well, I think it always is. I mean, whenever we introduce a bill like this, it is a, a period of giving people an opportunity to weigh in and just like you did, to bring up issues. So my understanding is that in states where this exists, the 10 or so, that not all of the time do people, in fact, take the pill, right? It's about two-thirds of the time that they self-administer. Yes, the, the number does vary, but yes, a lot of people get it. And I think what that does, I think it puts you sort of in control of your situation and to have the comfort of knowing if, it becomes too painful, you have the option. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to use it. I guess you could use it a year later if you wanted. I mean, you've still got the pill, I guess, huh? Well, most likely you're not going to live that long. Yeah, right. Uh, Although, here again, maybe you do. Um, So um, I wonder how often this has happened then. It's in 10 states. Uh, Is there a, a pretty good body of... Uh, work out there that would tell us if there's been any problems do sometimes people struggle or does it always work that sort of thing there yes and there definitely is because in oregon this actually became law in 1997 so there's about 25 years of data on what has happened in oregon and I guess without, in fact, I think without incident. In fact, I believe even Absolutely. in Oregon, where it has been in place since you said for uh, 27 years, there have been no reports of people abusing it either, right? Families setting somebody right. up to get the money. That there, There's no incidents of that to our knowledge, correct? No, there has been no coercion or any instances of abuse of the practice. My understanding is that if you die by suicide and your passing happens more than two years from the issuance of an insurance policy, that the insurance policy still pays. Inside, then maybe not. But this would not be listed as death by suicide, right? Right. Let's, let's take, again, an example of, say, say, my mother who had pancreatic cancer, say she had been able to, to opt for this option, which I wish she had been able to, um, if that were to happen, it would be listed on her death certificate as dying from pancreatic cancer. And then the insurance would pay if there's an insurance policy that's in play, correct? Yes, uh, yes. I guess um, another concern would be, what do we mean by the mental capacity to make this decision? A person has to sort of double down on the decision, right? It's not just in the throes of some pain. They have to make the decision with some time in between declarations as well, correct? Yes, there is a built-in, I believe it is a five-day, they they go to one doctor and then they do have to confirm that again. And so it's not just something you can do and then an hour later go and say it again and and automatically have it take place. Right, 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 right. 
414 texted in and said, oh, I hope it could cover dementia. I would move back to Illinois. I've heard stories where people moved to states where they do have this sort of um, aid in dying so that people can, in fact, take the pill. Um, I, I suspect you've heard of that as well. Yes, and it, it completely makes sense because I, I think many of us have a fear. I know I certainly do from having both parents die of cancer. I don't want to to be in that much pain at the end. 630 said, I agree with the possible law. The timeline is so iffy, though. You just had a story, John, about how former President Jimmy Carter entered hospice care a year ago today, and he's still alive. I don't know his quality of life, but that's his choice to make. Right, but I was thinking about that this morning, too. Jimmy Carter's been in hospice for a year today, but I wonder if, given the option, would Jimmy Carter take the pill? Maybe not. He's a deeply religious man. Maybe this would conflict with his faith. But I think there's plenty of people in hospice in the seventh month that would be happy to have the pill. I'm not sure that that changes the sort of premise for the legislation. Do you? I don't think it does. And to be honest, the vast majority majority of people who do this are actually in hospice. So they have that hospice care, and they're having different kinds of, of care. And they, for one thing, when the doctor goes and talks with them when they are making this decision, the doctor has to outline all of those possibilities, hospice care, palliative care, pain medication to help them, you know, get through their illness. So all of those options are made available to the patient, and then again, They get that prescription, but it is totally their choice when and if they decide to take it. Do we know how the doctors here in Illinois feel about that? I wonder how many of them would take a pass or would prescribe the drug. Well, and of course, now the doctor has that ability. If a doctor does not want to do it, they do not have to. But I'm trying to think. I have a a bunch of statistics, and I know doctors, I believe it's like, yeah, it is, 65% support medical aid in dying when they've heard what our version is with all the safeguards in place. There's a lot of what I call guardrails up to to make sure this doesn't get abused. I think we've talked about some of them. Are there any others that we haven't? What else are you talking about there? Well, we, we do have all these ways of trying to make sure that in the patients making that informed decision that it is voluntary they have to have two different doctors assess it. There is some mandatory counseling on what all their treatment options are, which, again, is hospice. And you also have to have an independent witness to the request. Mm. If either of the doctors is concerned that you're not mentally fit or they have some questions about it, they then can have you referred to a mental health care specialist who can then look and determine if they think you're a sound mind in order to make the decision. Yeah, right. Uh, This sounds like the sort of conversation we sometimes have with a guy named Kerry Peck. He's an elder law attorney here in Illinois, and he's very good about rights that seniors have. I wonder if I said, okay, I want that, but my daughter has power of attorney and she doesn't. Uh, There might be a legal battle there. Maybe she would say, no, he, he doesn't want that. He told me a long time ago he doesn't want that. He's saying that now, but I'm telling you he doesn't want that. I, so who wins in that case? 
I know how I would score that, but I wonder if your legislation anticipates this. I, I will have to look into that. I don't want to speak on something that I'm not sure legally how that, but I would think the patient should have the final say so. Um, I don't know. Again, I know in my mom's case, I had her medical power of attorney, which is why I knew when she was, was dying, I had the ability to say, please do not take, you know, do not resuscitate, make sure. I mean, literally my mother begged me a couple of weeks before she passed. I was sitting on the edge of her bed and she reached out and she grabbed my arm and she says, make sure they don't do anything. I don't want to be like this. And I'm like, Mom, that's the reason I have this. I will make sure your wishes are known. A lot of our listeners are saying with Alzheimer's and dementia, they sure wish legislation you know, 2.0 would accommodate that. 630 said, I advocated for this bill because of my sister's cancer. She went through hell. She was in such pain. Her last Facebook post referenced this option. Last words were, your thoughts and prayers are nice, but they won't help me, nor will they help you. If you get in my situation, pass the bill. Those are the dying words of one of our listeners' relatives. Um, so and that is so, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I have to say that is so sad because we have to understand that, yes, the dying person has their wishes. But remember, there's a whole host of family members and loved ones that the hardest thing they will ever do is not so much losing that person as it is to watch that person yeah, suffer. I know. Oh, 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 oh Amen. Also, I think you must realize this, but it's not the determining factor in my mind, but you are going to actually maybe ask your survivors to witness something which will be excruciating for them. You willfully ending your life in a way that you've decided is best for you and presumably will be better for them. But this is a very difficult thing for everybody involved. What is the um, appetite for this in the legislature? So it's through the Senate. Linda, can you just talk to me about where this is? The bill right now has just been introduced in the Senate, and it's just dropped a couple days ago. So we are starting all the discussions, how fast the process moves. Sort of depends on how people are feeling. I will obviously be talking with my colleagues to see how they feel. We know from studies done that 71% of Illinois voters are in favor of this. Yeah. So, but, but we need to give time for people to reach out to their legislators, weigh in. And, of course, then you have our legislators who are going to weigh in from their own personal experiences. Okay. You know, I just uh, I get angry just thinking about it. If you're in the 29% that doesn't want this, fine. <laughs> don't, don't have this. But who are you to tell me and my family what options we should have? And I'm sure that's something you're hearing on both sides. Linda Holmes is a Democrat from Aurora, state senator. Uh, fascinating and timely. Uh, Linda, thanks for helping us out today. I'm sure this won't be our last conversation on it. Thank you for your time. Thank you, John. I really appreciate the opportunity.